All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Klepa, and on today's episode, we have the founders of BJJ Fanatics, Michael and Bernardo. They also have a third partner, which we dive into on this episode. What is it like having three partners and creating a successful business with over 50 employees, 400 instructors, thousands and thousands of online tutorials on jujitsu, wrestling, and different verticals? I met these guys ah, a couple years ago, and I've been super impressed to watch the way that they've been able to create a digital e-commerce site with a ton of education, but they're adding value for the end user, and they're also adding value for the instructor. They're really connecting the dots, and I've had nothing but professional, amazing experience with Michael and Bernardo, and that's why I wanted to talk to them today on the show about a variety of different things that we could all take into our businesses, whether you're in the jiu-jitsu space, the CrossFit space, you name it. I think there's a lot of nuggets and takeaways in this episode. And if you haven't checked out, obviously, uh, BJ Fanatics, you definitely want to do that towards the end of the episode, hear a little bit more about it and see if it you know, can make an impact on you. If you are a gym owner and you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective or our partner program, we talk about this all the time, but it's really something special we have going on. Shoot us a message to collective at nc.fit. Hit us up on the links in the in the description and let us know if we can help you in any way. Let's dive into an amazing episode with Michael and Bernardo on BJJ Fanatics. Let's go. All right, so Michael and uh, Bernardo, thanks for taking the time today. You guys are with uh, BJJ Fanatics, as I said in the intro, and you know I've known you guys for quite a while now. I've I've explored your products, I've used your products, and perhaps we could start here. Um, Michael, why don't you just kind of start here by saying, what is BJJ Fanatics? And then I could go into kind of like how it got started, things of that nature, but, but what is it in a nutshell? Sure, I think right now we're, we're a platform for learning, and we have over 400 instructors, over 1,000 programs for different specialties and niches inside of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. And so and also wrestling and, and other kinds of fighting at this point. Yes. I want to dive into the different verticals, but essentially you're a web-based platform that sells DVDs, longer format instructions on different types of movement. And, and, you know, Bernardo, I know that you and Michael started it together and, you know, you have a super, you know, very much so competitive background in jujitsu, Michael, not that, you know, you're a black belt in jujitsu as well, but you know, Bernardo, you're a multi-time, um, multi-time uh, champion in jiu-jitsu. And so how did the whole thing get started between the two of you? Because it seems like it's kind of a match made in jiu-jitsu. You can, you can differentiate by saying he wins when we train. He, he wins when, okay, fine. He wins when you train. Uh, but, but it seems like a great match because it seems like Bernardo comes from the sport aspect, the technical aspect. And he also, I want to dive into your marketing and, and sales side. But then, Michael, you seem like you're a little bit more on the business side. So is that kind of how things have shaped out and how did it get started? You know, the, the funny thing is that probably that's how it was the beginning, but I would say uh, he, he's at least an equal now of the business stuff. And I think he keeps me focused. It's not a situation where he's kind of like the star athlete and we wake him up for the important meetings. Like, it's, it's actually the opposite of that. Oh, and, yeah. he's, very, he's very, very involved, even more so than I am at this point. Uh, At least as much. I appreciate that, Michael. Yeah, but uh, but OJ, so we, we started in 2014. Uh, 
Michael uh, offered me to make one DVD. Michael had, before BG Fanatics, he had done a few DVDs with people that uh, there was not like one brand, one website. He would just like create the content with someone, create the URL online and sell that thing, like more like in the launch model of the thing. So he, he invited me to make one DVD, but I already had an agreement with another company actually. And I couldn't make that the DVD at that time. But uh, he, he was, the jiu-jitsu that he was playing was the same jiu-jitsu that I used to do all my, my life. That was kind of like the, for, for people who follow jiu-jitsu, was the halfway style and the pressure passing style. So he invited me to make a seminar in Boston, a clinic, instead, as I, I couldn't do the DVD at that time. And then uh, I, I came here, I make the seminar, and then one of, one of those coincidences that uh, my wife used to go to every seminar with me, and then for that one, Michael was like, hey, if your wife comes, I, I book an hotel for you. But if your wife doesn't come, you can stay in my house and then, then uh, we, we do a private lesson in the basement. I have a mad area in the basement. And then coincidence that my, my wife didn't go to that seminar and, and that trip. He, she stayed in New York. So I went and then I met Michael and uh, we, we, went, we went out for dinner. And then when we came back, he was showing me like all the business stuff that he used to do in the past and that he was still doing. Like, and uh, he had like a few schools or nothing related to jiu-jitsu, but uh, fix me if I'm wrong, Michael, but guns license school, construction school, real estate school, yep. and all the traffic for the schools were done online. Mm. Google AdWords and this and that. So he started showing me that stuff, and I remember that he, he was the one who started telling like, uh, you should have a bigger presence online, because the only reason that I know you, it's not because you have won the world championships, blah, 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 it's because I watched one of your matches on YouTube. So if it was not on, if it was not YouTube, I would not know who you are. And uh, I didn't know anything about marketing, anything about nothing. And Michael started opening my mind. You know, he was like, "You should be more present on YouTube. You should be more present on Facebook, on Instagram, and blah blah blah." And uh, and then I came back from that trip thinking about it. You know, like I was like, "Man, I gotta get better on this and that." And then I started playing around with like Facebook ads, you were posting stuff on YouTube, on, on, on Facebook, on Instagram, this and that. And then uh, that night that he was showing everything, I remember we went to sleep 5 a.m. Remember that, Michael? <laughs> and, they did, and the seminar was like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. So we, we barely yeah. slept that night. And we were <laughs> done here, Jiu Jitsu lesson in the morning. Yeah. And uh, so, so then the, for like six months or so, I would call him to, to tell him what I was doing and ask him tips as well. And I would call him and say, hey, my Facebook page went from 1,000 followers to 10,000 followers. And he would call me and ask jiu-jitsu questions. And then we started becoming friends and this and that. And then after some point, Michael suggested, he was like, oh, well, we, we can make something together here. I have these few DVDs that I had done before. And uh, you're learning how to drive traffic and that kind of stuff. So why don't you build a website like this? So it was a different website. It was not even BGG Fanatics at that point. And, uh, and that's how things got started, you know, like, and then. Well, so, so you go over to his house and you guys just kind of hit it off. And, you know, he kind of shows you the importance of 
marketing, Facebook, because ultimately what I think BJJ Fanatics has done really, really well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've identified credible, successful, well-articulated, um, well-articulate um, instructors, and then found a way to basically highlight them. And you highlight them through every media platform possible. I mean, I get texts from BJ Fanatics every two seconds. I get emails every 30 minutes. I get, you know, you guys are just on it nonstop. And, and that's definitely one of the topics I want to talk about today. But before you met Michael, so Michael, before you started BJ Fanatics with Bernardo and also a third partner, which I want to talk about, you were doing something similar within different industries. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I, I've done, I've, I've done entrepreneurial stuff for a long time. And the funny thing is that when Bernardo came and met me, it's, it's almost like when the first UFC came and people saw Brazilian jiu-jitsu for the first time, it's like, oh my goodness, like this, this stuff's unbelievable. But as I look back at what I was doing at that time, it's very, very rudimentary. Just like if you look at the, uh, the jiu-jitsu that first came over into the country, it was way better than what anyone else had at that point, which is all it's important. But it's gone so far. And I think in the same manner, we've gone so far from what I was doing with, I mean, I, I was using some very, very basic stuff, but listen, it was better than nothing. It was working, but we, we've taken it, of course, to a few more levels since then. Of course. And this was in 2014, you guys originally yeah. met. And so now as you guys start the company, I think this is really relevant to anybody is yeah. whether you're in the jujitsu space, functional training, you name it. When you're starting a company, it's not always rainbows and unicorns. And it sounds like you guys really hit it off and created a great relationship, which is so important. But you also have a third partner. So I'm really curious yeah. with your background, Michael, a little bit more business focused. And I'm assuming, Bernardo, that yours was a little bit more athlete focused. That's my assumption. Is, is that kind of correct? You were a little bit more on the athlete side growing up, uh, you know, kind of coming through the sport. And Michael, yeah. you had the business acronym kind of bringing it together. So, so with the three of you guys, was there partnership agreements and, 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 and Bernardo, what was that like for you kind of getting into the business? I'm curious how that, how that all went. Yeah, I think the relationship since the beginning was, 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 was the best that we, I, I could ever dream. You know? and, and every time people ask me like, how is to do what we do? And I always say that uh, I think the main thing that we have is, is this friendship and this relationship because uh, when I look everything we do and I think about like doing by myself, for example, I think it's literally like impossible. You know, like, there's so many things going on in the same time that if you don't have like, if I don't have two other people on my side and uh, everybody carrying the weight, it, it would be close to impossible. But, but yes, you're right. I, I, I grew up pretty much like fighting jiu-jitsu. I did college about business, but I didn't learn anything. And uh, <laughs> I was just worried about fighting jiu-jitsu all day long. So, so yeah, so we, I grew up training jiu-jitsu and uh, competing and this and that. But I always wanted in the back of my mind at some point to do something business-related, you know, because like, I think that would be the, the course of my life, right? At some point I would stop competing and I would at least have a jiu-jitsu school which you you are an entrepreneur, right? If you if you own the, the jiu-jitsu school, so so yeah, so you 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 you're right. With the and, and and so as as you guys started working this relationship and creating BJ Fanatics, it wasn't called BJ Fanatics at first. It was something different. Is that correct? Yeah, we had one other type of website first that uh, we we would sell products like, but not 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 like an entire store. It was more like lunch and. Uh, they do that kind of stuff. 
like deals, not not 100% like an entire e-commerce about it. And then at some point we realized like that it's much better to have one store online when when you have we can have all the products over there and that kind of stuff. Okay, got it. And so Michael, when you were starting the company um, with Bernardo and this other gentleman, Michael, how did yeah. you guys decide on you three? I mean, three partners. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Plot. So I have. Um, it's funny. So in, in my life at this point, right, I have. I have two ways that I'm friends with people. One, I knew you since high school, or two, you grapple or some of some sort. Other than that, I don't really have a whole, or you're my neighbor or something, right? Right, right. right. Other than that, um, like, I, I pride myself on being a real loyal guy. And um, so I had this partnership with uh, one of my best friends from high school, who oh, I met when I was 14 years old. And so I, and now he's not a jujitsu guy, and there's no one really sees him because there's no reason to, because he doesn't. He can't tell the guards in the mountain. He doesn't know what it is, but, and, and he's into other sports, but so, but I said to Bernardo, he and I were hitting this off and we, I said to him, listen, I have this other business partner. And I mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, I, I'm not going to go say to him, Hey, listen, I'm going off somewhere else and I'm working on this. So is there any way we could work this in? And Bernardo to his benefit said, yeah, well, I'm sure we can figure something out. We were able to come up with an arrangement that worked for everybody. And it was pretty funny. It was only last year that Bernardo and I, I'm into taking classes and Bernardo's into taking classes. And we learned a lot about personalities and how they fit together on executive teams. And so I'm more of sort of a, I would call myself a big picture guy. I'm good at kind of looking at something and sort of deciding what's going to generally happen, kind of get a rough understanding of it. I think I probably have a pretty good understanding of how people think and how they react but I'm really not a detail guy to the point of where everyone makes fun of me for all my little screw ups in day to day life. It's become a joke. Bernardo is an incredible detail guy and he's not, I mean, for instance, I read a lot more news than he does. I'm a lot, we were talking offline about the election. I'm going to be a lot more into stuff like that than Bernardo is. Bernardo is really plugged into what he, he does to a point where probably no one you'd ever meet is that much. Right. And, our other partner has sort of like kind of a really good understanding of numbers and other sorts of details. And this sort of was just sort of like an accident. I mean, but the way, it, the way we learned about it in this class that we took Columbia, it's almost like a perfect combination as a managerial team. And I would say that if I were ever advising someone down the road, you always want complementary type personalities. So let's, let's, let's dive into that just for a little bit. I'm going to back up and I want to come back to this classic Columbia that you guys took. That's pretty yeah. cool. So um, what are we at? So six years ago, you guys start the company. Yeah. Um, did you guys have like a formal partnership agreement? Did you guys, you know, uh, you did from the get-go. Yep. And clear roles and expectations. And then along the journey, like looking back on it, especially with your class you took at Columbia, is there different things you would, is there anything you would have done differently with three partners? I know you, you definitely touch base. I think it's really important to have different skill sets and different strengths. And I think that's critical. But along the journey, what else do you think you wish you had done earlier? You know, honestly, and I'm going to say this, I probably wouldn't do anything differently, but I think everything that happened was a result of, of some luck and it, and it really worked out. There, there were combinations due to factors that I completely didn't understand at that time that I would be much better able to understand at this point. So it turned out like if I were looking back on past partnerships that I had, that some of them went well, some of them didn't. So I, I had one, um, 
before with a, a guy who I used to work with. We don't work together anymore. We're still really good friends, but uh, we don't work together anymore. And like looking back on it, and he's gone on to have incredible success and I've gone on to, to do okay too. Um, we both were kind of big picture guys. And I, I think it didn't work out as well because we didn't have that driver in work. Now, the great thing is, right, Bernardo and I, we – we're best of friends, but we, we don't agree on everything or even anything even close to that. Right. And so he's always taking a perspective where he's much more, he's like, where he's taking things like he takes everything a lot more serious than I do. And the answer is I'm not sitting here saying that I'm right. Like I'm saying that a lot of times he's right, but if we did it all his way, or we did it all my way, it wouldn't be perfect. It'd be, it's kind of much better this way that I truly believe in having offsetting, personality, complimentary personalities. It, it's been enormous. I can't even so, say how big that's been. Okay, so but the fact that it's three people is, is, is in my opinion, where the magic happens because there's really? an discussion or, or hard feelings. And because if, if, you, if you want to do something on one way and the other two wants to do it the other way, you just be quiet and do it the other way. You know, like, and, and then sometimes the opposite happens, you know. Mike wants to do it one way and me and Mike wants to do it the other way or Mike wants to do it one way and me and Mike wants to do it. So there's never a discussion or, or argue. We don't really get, we don't get stuck. Yeah. yeah. The three people is really interesting. So, you know, we, we talk to many people on this show and most people I would say have partners, right? It's always two for some reason. And that could be a really challenging thing. There's, there's, it could be a stalemate. I don't think that Bernardo and I would have done as well. With, with just two of us. I really don't want to. I mean, we're obviously we've done fine, but. <laughs> now, now, look, we'll fast forward a little bit. I mean, I think that the three people, and I get what you're saying, Bernardo, where it's like, you know, if, if two think it's a good idea and one doesn't, hey, you know what, let's roll. I imagine it makes decision making a little bit quicker than you would if you just had a 50 50 oh. partnership because you would bullshit about the idea for six months instead of just trying it. And so with, with Columbia and this class you guys took, tell me a little bit more about the class. I'm really curious about. What Which it one was, was I, rem I remember the I remember the guy. It was like a marketing class, right? Was it brandy or the persuasion? I think it was the persuasion one. Oh. It was, but it was it really it wasn't like a cheap marketing. It was really well done. We take these uh, executive MBA classes at, at uh, Columbia, and um, they're they're crazy expensive. Uh, I can't tell you how good they are. Wait, um, but, but tell me more about them. What, what is it? I mean, do you just sign up so, for them or how does that work? Yeah. So, um, well, you, you, you sign up, you, you get accepted into the program. And if I got in, it can't be that hard to get into. And, um, and so you go, you go into it and it's probably like a, a three or a four day class. And, but it's all day, every day. So you're getting, I mean, it's, it's almost the same as like a semester or, or maybe half a semester that they're cramming it into a, a like a crash course. And, um, it's again, it's expensive. It's I maybe call it six, $7,000 for three or four days, whatever it is. And you, you, and you go and you live in the city and um, you're going over, you go over kind of a concept and they, they're taking you through, you're doing group exercises and you really get intense on that subject for a few days. Like you're not going to get anything else done at work those, those days. Yeah. And this one I think was about, persuasion but you hear persuasion you start thinking bad things but persuasion more like in the how human behaviors are and that kind of stuff you know like, yeah and, and then they were explaining exactly this you know like how uh, 
the the best and worst partnerships happens when you find people who are similar or completely different than you. So and when you think about it, that's the type of person you usually gel with to be a friend, right? Someone who's, oh, this person thinks exactly like I do. This And so Bernardo and I had this overpowering love of jiu-jitsu. I mean, so I'm, I've been a black belt for nine years now. Bernardo's obviously one of the 10 best guys ever step on a mat. So we had that in common that we really enjoyed it. But we didn't really, you don't really know what you have until you really start working together. And it wasn't until we started working together that we realized, like, wow, we're really kind of different here. But that yeah. ended up being a good thing. I mean, it ended up. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting, you guys. When because yeah. you know, obviously, you know, you guys are really good examples of your business has seen a, a fair amount of success from 2014 to 20. Yeah. And then for you guys to still go out and go to these courses just as a testament to kind of like that constant kind of progress and moving yeah. forward. And so I learned that from Michael Jason. He takes a lot of courses, man. I mean, like he. If he's smart, there is a reason. It's not because he was born like that. <laughs> he takes a lot of. So we're, we're actually we're taking one now. Um, we're taking one at Harvard now, at Harvard Business School, and um, we, we took it this morning. And uh, I've since taken I had a nap, and Bernardo must have because his we were taking this Zoom class just like this, and he was on there and he answered a question. I was watching him. He decided to go. <laughs> it was at like because the thing started at 8 a.m. this morning and like we're up there the night before doing reading for it and we're running our business and we have family obligations and his gym and all that kind of stuff so it's never easy to fit that stuff in and most of the course you don't get that much out of but if you get one or two big concepts out of it that change your thinking it's kind of huge when you really think, like over the course of a year I mean what's that worth yep and, and, and that's super super um, beneficial. I, I, I agree with you fully. And then that kind of directly aligns with your business as well, right? Your business is selling education. Now, what you're talking about at Harvard is a little bit different, right? But it's still education. And so if I'm watching a video of Gordon teaching me how to do a, you know, actually I saw a video of him earlier doing a daily Heva and that's something I've been working on. And if I could get that to, you know, flip, you know, um, click for me, that's a huge value add. But what we're talking about here is huge macro themes, this power persuasions, partnerships, that could lay a framework for the rest of your life. So that's yeah, super sure. cool. I, I want to kind of switch gears on your guys' business model and, and what I've been most impressed with. So you guys open up BGJ Fanatics. You guys have obviously had three partners, which I think is a, a very unique concept, which is cool to hear. But why do you go with, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I want to clarify. Why do you go with single-use DVDs instead of monthly reoccurring subscriptions? And if you could do it all over again, would you do it the exact same way? Yeah, so, start there. Uh, so uh, first thing, like uh, we are getting rid of DVD completely. Or, or, or just, so, so, so when I know that when you say DVD, it is more like instructional video. So nowadays sure. we are, yeah, we are already like ninety five percent. Did you ever have like a friend in your life that just like nothing but drama and problems, and you finally get that friend out of your life, and it's like, I should have got this friend out of my life a long time ago. That's what we're kind of finding out with DVDs. Like actual, and, when, and by the way, just for everybody to understand, when I say the word DVD, you guys actually sell real hard DVDs, like well, the one that we used to put in our, um, remember the visors, and you'd put the visor, like yeah. the, the CDs and DVDs. Yeah. And the corona, believe it or not, coronavirus sort of ended that for us, and I'll tell you why. Tell me. So it was, what was going on is that we were selling less and less per year. We got it down to about 10%. And even though it was 10% of our sales, it was like 90% of our customer service because 
um, oh, the mail slow, this one came cracked, but that's fine. We still had them because it was still strong demand and a DVD buyer to us was worth more than a normal buyer because it typically would be an older buyer. They'd buy more. They'd And so then what happened with coronavirus or COVID, we couldn't get people to come to work. And so now we're getting massive amounts of people. We're getting, still getting massive amounts of orders, but we're, no one can make the DVDs. And now they're getting, now it was getting to the point where now they're two weeks back. Now they're a month back. Now they're two months back. And so we said, why don't we press the pause button on this simply because we cannot fulfill them. No one will come to work. And then we noticed that like, wow, life all of a sudden started to get better and sales didn't really. So. Yeah. So when you were asking us like if there was anything that we would have done different since you started, when we started everything, we didn't have digital. It was only DVD. Right, <laughs> right, right. That was right. Like five years ago, so the world yeah. was already digital. So I would have done that different. I would have digital by then yeah. for sure. We you guys were like Netflix. Remember, remember when Netflix first came out, like maybe ten years ago, whatever yeah, it was. Exactly. From the mail. Yeah, and so you know, I, I want to kind of split this into two conversations. So the first one is with the DVDs. It was a legacy product for you guys. It was probably hard to get rid of, and. I know we've had this issue at our business where we feel like, man, if we get rid of that, we're going to really piss off people. It's going to, you know, whatever. All right. Now all of a sudden you use COVID as, I don't want to use the word excuse because it actually had a reasoning behind it. Yeah, but, it was real. But looking back on it, it's so funny because you said, hey, it makes up 10% of our revenue, but 90% of our headache, for example, or 80% that you said. For us, we've had parts of our business that make up 10% of our revenue is 80% of your headache. And how do you... How do you look at that from an outside perspective? Because I'm sure other people in their businesses are looking at their business and, I mean, you knew it was an issue, but you didn't do anything about it. Uh, yeah. And I've had the same issue. So how, how do you overcome that? It's like, so, I mean, I think that like anything else, it's much easier to look at from the outside. Yeah. But when you're involved in it and you say like, well, I actually know this customer personally. He tells me how much he know, he loves getting the, the option to have DVDs. And even though he's one of hundred thousand customers or whatever it is, he's the guy who's, who, who has your mind share. Cause you've actually talked to him. Uh, you think about other people like, and even if it's only 10% of our business, still it's a lot of DVDs and you don't want to go take a lose 10% of your business. And you realize that some of them are going to come back, but you don't know how many, and it's just hard to quantify. Like it's just not every bit of information is knowable. Yeah. yeah so I, I can't just say like, Oh, we should have known that a lot earlier. Like there, there was some risk there. Yeah. Yeah. But at least having the digital a lot earlier, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The digital. So the digital was a big move for you guys. And so Bernardo, you guys have chosen to go out and do um, single use. I mean, for lack of a better term, um, downloadable um, videos versus monthly reoccurring subscription model. Yeah, and but, why is that? I think that's a great question. And I, I think that's how we started. So we started like that without the membership. And uh, in order to pay the instructors, we, we do like revenue, profit share with bunch of that. So it's much easier that way. And uh, as we started since the beginning, selling product per product instead of the, instead of the, the membership, to switch from that model to membership could kind of like ruin the relationship with the instructors and like, because they're using it about one way. And now we're going to tell them, no, 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 now you get paid per view. It's not per revenue anymore. It would be, a, 
and we've had a we've had a really good relationship with so called over 400 instructors i mean by and large with with no exceptions that i can think of we've had a very strong relationship with all of them and a lot of it has been being so straightforward and when you start getting into like we made deals before that hey you know you're going to get x amount of of money based on a sale and now we're going to come to them and say hey uh well now it's going to be it's a whole uh buffet type model and we're going to figure out how many clicks you got and divide that up by the revenue that's not what we agreed to right and and so just to kind of pull on that thread a little bit more which you know so part of the reason why you guys are doing this because that's the legacy of it but also with the athletes you guys do a really good job of compensating them well looking back on it do you think the model that you have with your athletes with the instructors is the right model where it's a revenue share uh is that the right model i i have an easy answer to that i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in all fairness, it's the one that we've done and it, it's, it's yeah. gone well. It's allowed us to scale. So I think a lot of the athletes are really happy. Would we be sitting here with more money in our pocket had we done it a different way? I, I honestly, I can't answer that. I can tell you that I'm happy day to day. Yeah, and the, the, there are stuff that it's intractable too. I was reading another day about Amazon. And uh, I think when the Amazon started doing the prime members was by, they guessed it. No, not that they guessed it, but uh, they, they were like, let's do it. And, and they did it. But there was no way to kind of like A-B test if that thing would yeah. work or just not having it. You know, like there was I think like, I've heard the term before, complex adaptive system. Like when you start to think about the amount of variables that are at play here, it's not just a simple thing. I mean, it's possible to track like, and, and yeah. compare like A to B. At some so point, I get to guess. Yeah, and, the, and you play with the guess that you took. Yeah. You know. But you guys are uniquely good, uniquely qualified um, with your ad spend and the way you guys utilize social media. And I'm curious for you guys, what, where does that come from? And I know it's years of trial and error but if you were advising a business that wanted to be more of an e-commerce company, similar to the way you guys are, you guys have your Facebook groups, you have your newsletters, you have your text channels. I want this to be a twofold question. So the first one is, what do you guys think you're doing right now that's really working well? And what would the advice be for e-commerce? And I want to back that up with, the, with another question about the future. But why don't we start there? I mean, either one of you guys, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. One thing I see like in a lot of different companies is that, uh, they they don't wonder they don't understand about marketing and they don't want to understand. It's much easier to just delegate some agents and blah blah blah. So what we do, I'm I feel like very proud to say that we, we have touched our hands on every single step since the beginning. You know, like so nowadays when we delegate and when we outsource, for example, oh we're gonna do Google AdWords with these agents. I have done that before, so I can judge if they're doing a good job or not. You know, like. So, and, and then we can do that in the, every single channel in, in the industry, you know, like, so we, we try to hit every channel. So YouTube, YouTube ads, YouTube organically, Facebook ads, Facebook organically, Instagram ads, Instagram organically. And we have done that with our own hands at some point. So we, we understand about it. Many times I see jeans, agents, uh, um, jeans or, or business owners that they have no idea about this stuff. 
So they hire someone and they cannot even track if the person is doing a good job or not, you know, like, so. But, but, but doing it is very difficult and the amount of platforms you guys are on is incredible. And so where would someone start if they did want to start learning more about e-commerce, Bernardo? I mean, you have a, you have an incredible background in it. And, um, you know, I know Michael, you do as well, but like, it just seems overwhelming. You're talking about Instagram organic, Instagram paid, Facebook, the YouTube, uh, you know, email campaigns. I mean, where would you start? So I, I think uh, I would try to think like for, for your business depends what's your business. What is the channel that makes the most sense for you? So for example, if you are one accountant, if you're like, if you do accounting for, for other business, probably the most important thing for you is Google AdWords, right? Because if someone wants to find one accountant, it's not on Facebook. He's going to go on Google and try to find it. Or maybe like dentist. Yeah. You know, you go to Google and it's right. It's fine. So I would try to figure out what's the most important channel and learn about that channel. And then also you kind of like master that channel and then you think about a new channel. So that's kind of what we did. We, we started with like Facebook ads and email marketing. And then we went to like SEO, YouTube ads, search ads, display ads, boom. And then we, we do a little bit of everything. And you know, I think that um, someone said to Warren Buffett one time, you know, how do you find all these cheap stocks? that you look at that are so much cheaper. And he said, what I do is I go to the, um, the value line index is about this thick. Right. Start with a, and I mean, to think that if you're going to go into and start a business on a multi-million dollar scale, that it's going to be easy. It's not, it's not a four hour work week or anything like that. It's going to be, it's going to be a long time. And I mean, right. I, I, it's, it's not, even though it's been what, six years or whatever it has been. I mean, it's, it took a while to get off the ground. It, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was, there were a lot of days where I don't think we would have said that we were going to get to where we got to now. And, and looking back on that, where did you guys start? So, you know, um, SEO, Google AdWords, where did you guys start and where have you seen the best penetration? Where, where have you seen the best uh, ROI? This changed all the time, right? So when we started in 2014, Facebook ads was the key, you know, like nowadays, not as much, you know, like, yeah. so, so it, 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 it changed. But when we started, Facebook ads was like, the jam. and you, you could get good returns there. So I was shooting fish in a barrel then, but it, it, it's changed a bit. Yeah. And nowadays it's not that big anymore. I mean, I I'll, I'll tell you this, Jason, if you want to look at any company that's making multi millions of dollars, I'm going to tell you for sure what their most profitable channel is. It's going to be SEO. SEO. So search engines. So and the reason I say that is because the only type of money, the only type of companies, like for instance, your company, we know about you, we know about yours. I'm sure you do well on SEO because people know your name and they're searching for it and they're, uh, they're out there and they're searching for like kind terms. Google has decided that you're a credible site and that takes them years to do. And because there's nothing that I've seen where you're going to be able to find an opportunity go out there and make a bunch of money. Like for instance, I know there's all people out there talking about Amazon. I, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I don't, I would bet you in fitness that the opportunity has gone where you're going to go out and buy an exercise roller from China, bring it here, rebrand it on Amazon as, um, 
as Jason says, <laughs> key exercise roller and be able to make uh, some money on it. It's just not, there's it's no not way you can do that at that point. But so at you some point in life, in history, I think that was doable and people yeah. probably made a ton of money. So I think it all changed, you know, like, and it, yeah. But the business model, it's now it's everything that's going direct from the, uh, from the manufacturer to the, to the, the customer. So we're the video producer. We're not really selling through, we're selling direct to the consumer. Right. And so, you know, you guys said, Hey, back in the day, Facebook ads was the jam. And I understand everything evolves and changes. Yeah. What, what is the, what is the jam today? And what do you think is going to be the jam for tomorrow? I'm really curious. Is it, is it text platforms? Is it text messaging? What, what is it? Uh, yeah, no, no. The only thing is that the text messaging, once once people start doing it too much, I notice I'm getting more and more. I remember at one point they were advertising as, oh, people have a, texting has a 98% open rate. But as I start to get more of these texts, I'm starting to open them less. Mm -hmm. And of course that's going to happen. Um, what What's the email open rate in general, Bernardo? Probably like 12, 15% across platforms. Uh, uh, yeah, between 10 and 15. And uh, if you're doing a good job, so. Yeah, so like, I mean, I think that obviously the answer is going to be everything. Wouldn't you say, Bernardo? Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> the answer is everything. The answer is start with one, start with one platform, get good at it, understand it. And if you could, and then, and kind of build from there. And so, you know, I, I, I want to ask, so you guys have had incredible success sharing information from instructors and because you add so much value and treat them so right, you guys are getting more and more every single day. I put up a quick post on Instagram and I was asking what type of questions do you have for the BGJ Fanatics crew? Um, and uh, one person said to me, how do I, how do I do a tutorial with you? Was, was the question, right? Was basically how, how do they become an instructor for BGJ Fanatics? And how do you pick who gets on your platform and how do they request? That's fair. Yeah, we, we reach out to some instructors and uh, also like sometimes people reach out to us that's happening more and more. Yeah, and they, and then uh, when they reach out to us, most of the times we 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 make a, a deal with them and we we take their their content, and they, and we reach out to when when we see that someone is has the potential to do a good course, we, we reach out to the person and that kind of stuff. It's so, more about to us about how good of a teacher they are rather than if they're just killing everybody in competition. Now, obviously if they're killing everybody in competition and they're a great teacher, then, then that's, that's even better. But, um, we'll always take a, um, a great teacher over someone who's just gonna kind of do it harder, so to speak. Like we want someone who's really good and we have them teach very narrow specific topics. Yep. And so if someone wanted to kind of reach out to you, they could just kind of message you guys on social media, email you guys in, say, hey, this yeah. is who I am, this is what I'm interested in. There's right? an info at BGJ Fanatics email and if someone wants to write into them about, um, about what they have to share. We've, that's something that we've been thinking about evolving. The question always becomes, where do we draw the line of who gets to go on and who doesn't? And so, because uh, there's a lot of good instructors out there, the only problem is only so many hours in the day and there's only so much space that we have to develop and that kind of thing. So, um, and how do you guys make that decision? I mean, do you guys have some type of committee or, or who, who ultimately would decide because as it starts getting more and more impacted, how, where do you draw the line? We started inviting people, right? And uh, now this is happening more and more because we, we are growing. 
So right now there is not like a 100% system on how we decide who is going to be and who is going to be not. Not if it's like a new thread between us. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, rea the reality is a lot of times it's like, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality. I mean, I imagine but, that'll be a, you know, for the future, it'll be a good problem to have. And so, you know, one of the questions that also came through Instagram, which I found to be pretty interesting and, and, and either one of you, please feel free to answer this is that jujitsu has a, you know, high um, barrier to entry. It's, it's, it's kind of scary. And I was talking to Bear from Shoyer Roll, and we were discussing a little bit about this. But um, if someone's looking to go and, and find a jiu-jitsu school, what, what are some key things they should be looking for just at a high, high level? Maybe we could just touch base on that because that was one of the questions that came in. I, in my opinion, I would look for a good environment, you know, like even more than the technique itself because uh, if you're just starting jiu-jitsu, you have never done jiu-jitsu before and this and that, I think it's way more important that you go to a nice and clean place and the instructor is very friendly and very patient. Then go to a place where maybe the instructor is a champion, blah, 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 but he's rude and he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't take care of you. So I would suggest finding a place, of course, that has some authority, right? Don't, don't go just somewhere that is a blue belt teaching, but uh, I would go to a place where the school looks good, the instructor is friendly and the charismatic and the, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that's at least how I think. What do you think, Jason? You, 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 I, you I, like a, yeah, I, I mean, I care a lot about, um, you know, the environment, safe, yeah. clean, um, and, and just the right atmosphere, like you said. Because yeah. jujitsu, you could really, you have to find the right group to train with because there's a lot of, you know, you could, you could hurt someone and someone could hurt you. And you have to have the right environment. You know, I, I've, for the most part, though, it's self, um, weed, it weeds it out, though. For the most part, most jiu-jitsu schools, the vibes are always right because if it isn't, somehow those people get weeded out real quick. Um, but, but, but definitely, I think, I think the cleanliness becomes an issue for me, um, especially with on the mat and whatnot, and then uh, the environment. So those are the things that I look for. Um, you know, one of the things, and, and Michael, maybe you can answer this. It, one of the questions that came in is, what what needs to be done to standardize jujitsu to bring it to the level of something like an NFL? Um, do you ever see jujitsu becoming a sport that that applies to the masses at a level of the NFL, the NBA, the whatever? Um, curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I think um, so. It's funny. It's something we talk about all the time, and jujitsu is still very new. And if you look at how long say um th these things took to to catch on and so one like really good comparison to me is jujitsu versus judo and judo is really judo and jujitsu are the exact same techniques with slightly different rules whereas with judo there's more emphasis on the throwing technique for instance you can get a, a knockout punch from a in effect from a throw and where the match is over if you get a clean throw on someone and they leave the matches stand in the standing position a lot longer than they do in jiu-jitsu but if you were to look at take a class and look at a book they're the exact same techniques judo i believe is the second most practiced sport in the world behind soccer and and most people don't believe that, but it is. It's um, in Japan. I'm just go Google that and go see how the ad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's what they claim. That's yeah. what they claim. No, but, but it's a lot more, and so it's a lot bigger than wrestling. It's a lot. It's certainly the biggest martial art, and so it's an Olympic sport. And what happens is in the Olympics, if you look at who wins, it's always a different country. 
I mean, for instance, like it's not like, and if you go to the worlds in, in jujitsu, it's still mostly Brazil. I mean, no. just in the, in the last like couple of years, I think we just went with a 10 year stretch um, before Musa Messi where no Americans won. And so now you're getting maybe two Americans are winning every year, but now it's just Brazil and two Americans. I think when we get to the point where there's 10 weight classes, three champs are from Brazil, one's from America, one's from Russia, one's from, one's from a country in Europe and that kind of thing. I think that's when we'll start to be there. Got it. And that's good feedback. I mean, you know, um, and so, you know, this was a question obviously came in through our channels was, and, and, and maybe Bernardo, I'm curious, your thoughts on this is what is the best exercise for jujitsu? So aside from jujitsu, obviously you could say, Oh, well, jujitsu, but if you could just do an exercise off the mat, what, what, what have you found to be successful? I mean, I have something in my mind, but you know, you as a competitor and a world champ, what are your thoughts there on best exercise for jujitsu? Yeah, I think it's hard to say like for the best one, because I think it depends on the individual, right? So for me, I, I lift weights. I did like a, uh, functional training. I did. I did all type of workouts. And what worked the best for me was kind of like functional training with kettlebell, that kind of stuff, and having a personal trainer on top of me, like a, kind of like the one-on-one type of class. That was like the when I started doing that. Coincidence was when I started getting the best results. Because before I would work out by myself, mm. and I would lift weight. I would do this. I would do that. And then also start having like a periodization and uh, one personal trainer on top of me that was uh, my my coach Kevin Paredi. That started moving the needle for for me. So that's, that's that's good. That's interesting feedback. I mean, you know, I train a lot in my garage by myself. I also take classes here at our gyms. And when you have a coach, when you have that environment, it does make a big difference because not only are they looking at your technique and whatnot but they're also there to hold you accountable and to push you a little bit harder. Even if they're not saying anything, yeah. just having them around, you know, it's, it's like being in the jujitsu gym. When you have multiple training partners, you feed off their energy and it starts having a better training session. Um, yeah. And even like, uh, even like in the, I think you can always make an analogy of business as well. Like if, if you run a company and you're by yourself, I think like, uh, I think having a partner and having a person on your side to push you and you push the person is always better. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we don't have, I mean, we have people that surround our business that really help me, but the idea of this three partners has really been uh, an interesting topic and conversation because I haven't ever heard it, you know, I guess seeing, seeing is believing and the way you guys talk about it. I, I do think it was a perfect match or a great match, but I think the idea of the three was interesting. Um, speaking of which, as you guys' business has grown, you went from having BJ fanatics to then incorporating wrestling and striking in additional verticals. And I'm curious, when did you know to add a new vertical? And then when does that become a benefit versus a distraction to your core business? What, what are the guiding factors of adding new verticals versus staying focused on one vertical? Curious of your thoughts there, guys. I mean, I think like having different verticals or different websites, whatever we want to call, was a way to extend the line of the products, right? Because at some point we could only make jiu-jitsu products, but our network was growing and we knew wrestlers, we knew judo guys, we knew. So we were kind of like, if this is working in jiu-jitsu, why it's not going to work in wrestling? Why it's not going to work in judo? So 
was almost like a natural thing in, to do. And, uh, and but, but you're right, you gotta be careful with the distraction, you know, like, because uh, there's always one, two or three things that moves the you and you gotta focus more on, on, on those things. I, I would say we, we have a lot of conversations with the three of us. And um, one thing we brought up is that we were having a great year last year and um, maybe it was two years ago and we said, you know what? We're really not failing enough here. And we thought about like everything we were like, wow, isn't this great? We, we have so many DVDs that are going well. And, but at the same time, we're not, uh, we're not flying around in private jets. So, I mean, we're saying, well, yeah, everything we're trying is working, but I mean, but maybe, maybe we should be trying more stuff and maybe we should be giving ourselves permission to fail more because we figure out a failure is worth a lot less to us than a success. So our goal is always to, rem to remain perfectly rational. And if everything you're trying is working, but you're not, you can't go buy a, a basketball team yet, then you're probably not trying enough stuff. Yeah. Oh, Jason, there is a rule, a quote from, it's actually from Google that I love it. That's called 7 20 10. So it's like you focus 10% of your time to do new stuff. You focus 20% of your time to keep moving the new stuff that you did and you keep 70% of your time on what moves the needle, you know, like that's probably the old stuff. So I, I love that quote. You know? huh, so se you know, 70, 20, 10. Yes. So 10% new stuff and 20% energy on that 10% and then 70% on what moves the needle already as the foundation of the business. Yes. And 20% on, on this, I mean, like you, you build a ton of stuff, but there's always like one or two that moves the needle. So, you spend 20% of this stuff and this stuff that doesn't move the needle, but it's already done. So maybe can become 70 at some point. And then 70% of the time in the main thing, you know, like that was really, really helpful. I think that I, I love that. And so just to kind of finish off this conversation, I think it's been really cool to catch up with you guys about your business and kind of hear more. You guys really seen into the business side, into the analytics. I know that you dive deep into the numbers to really understand what's going on. I want to close the loop on the courses because I found them to be really interesting to me. If you could pick one course you guys have taken, not the jujitsu BJ fanatics, but outside that, the Harvard, the Columbia, what was one course that you would recommend for, for any entrepreneur who's looking to start a new company based on the ones you've done? I mean, I know Michael, you've done quite a few. So what, is there one that just stands out to you as the pivotal one? Yeah, we, we were talking about this, this week, like uh, you know, this course that I'm taking, that we're taking now, uh, there was a discussion there that one guy was saying that one other person asking him, man, do you think you're getting the return here? And uh, and then the guy said, it's like, man, it's not like one course that's going to change your life. You know, like it's it's the, kind of like the journey. Mm. So, but, but if I had to say one, there's one book um, and he, the guy teaches seminars. He hasn't, I don't think he's taught him since COVID, but the guy's name is Robert Cialdini and he wrote a book called Influence. And he talks about the six principles of it in there. And Bernardo and I went, I, I've been a couple times now and he gives him in Arizona. The guy's a professor at uh, Arizona state. And it's all like, it's a psychological course on just on the science of persuasion. That's good. It's really, that was good. but yeah. I, so, so thank you for that recommendation. And yeah. Bernardo, I like what you said though, it, 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 to kind of take it back to the whole jujitsu thing to, to finish off this conversation. Like I could walk into your gym and, I'll, and, you know, I'll never forget the, when I met Buchecha for the first time, I was expecting him to provide me some profound technique on the, 
you know, or the the Owl Brothers to learn the Bolombolo or whatever. And everybody wants to kind of, it's, it's, it, I think there's something alluring about learning something new and crazy from a world champ. But when they just talk about the fundamentals and you practice those over and over and you remain consistent at them, um, that's when real change starts to happen. I think what you're saying is like, dude, there's no one course. It's a variety of different courses that start laying the framework. But Michael, I appreciate you kind of sharing the one that you felt like was really impactful. And hopefully I'll, I'll check those out. Um, so, so guys, look, I think you guys are doing an incredible job. I think BJ Fanatics is an awesome, awesome, awesome website. If you guys haven't, you know, if you're listening, you haven't checked out what they're doing and you're interested in getting into jujitsu, if you're interested in exploring some techniques, is there a video or a course that you guys would recommend for, let's just say you're a, a CrossFitter or a functional guy and you're listening to this podcast and you want to try and just watch a DVD to better understand techniques. Is there a one DVD that you'd recommend to kind of start with? There's two that I think of. There's, uh, Andre just came out with one like this, and Bernardo has one, uh, just kind of an intro to BJJ. So Andre uh, Gabal and, and Bernardo, both, both of them. It's just an they intro. both have different ones, and depending on who you gel with, both great instructors. But if you, just, if you don't know anything about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I would say those are great intros to, to BJJ. Yep. Yep. That's a, that, that, and as you want to start getting into more – stuff um there's there's we have a, a huge selection and if you are training alone in your house and you don't have a training partner what's the recommendation there the john solo drew uh, yeah. john, so john who's our john donaher who's um our best seller he actually came out with one on um on how to train by yourself on all kinds of solo drills where you train the essential skills that you'll need to, to train on the mat with a partner. It's incredible. I love it. Well, I'm going to go check that one. I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to go check that out. But gentlemen, congratulations on your success and, and talking about, you know, kind of like your guys' journey and, and, and building up this business. It's been really cool. How many, uh, how many staff work at BJ Connects? Just curious. But nowadays, you're close to 50 people. 50 people. Yeah. And then not to mention all the other instructors that you're helping, you know, provide livings for. So congratulations on all the success. Keep, uh, keep getting after it. And if people want to know more, they can go to BJ fanatics. They could check us out on the Instagram. They'll, they'll probably just by listening to this podcast, probably get some type of ads or come across yeah. the channel. And the about, we actually have a, a background about us on the about us section. We talk about how we started the company. That kind of thing. I love it, man. All right, guys. Well, have a great day. And uh, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason.